Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 47. We have Cassandra Mosman on today to talk about sleep. If you would like to submit a question, head over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. All right, welcome back, Andrea. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. We have a ton of questions today, so I just want to introduce our guest and then get right to it. All right. (laughs) So our guest today is Cassandra Mosman. She is the owner of Cassandra Sleep Consulting. She is a certified pediatric sleep consultant and works with parents to teach their little ones independent sleep skills so that they acquire healthy sleep habits. She does this through customized sleep plans created specifically for each child and works with parents to implement those tactics. After undergoing extensive training through the Sleep Sense Certification Program, as well as other ongoing sleep education, she has been able to help many families. Cassandra also has a degree in early childhood education. She is the mother to three wonderful children, Maya, who's eight, Dylan, who's five, and Blake, who's the baby in the family at 21 months old. Her husband, Craig, is also a small business owner, and he happens to own the Couch Tomato Cafe, which is a local restaurant in Westchester and Maniunk, for those that are local that are listening. If you're struggling with your child's sleep, please call her to book your free 15-minute evaluation, and this will give you a chance to discuss your child's specific situation and come up with some ideas for a solution. She would love to help. All right. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we are so glad you're here, and I think everybody else is too. I tried to lump together some of these questions a little bit, but I know that there's yeah. going to be some overlap. Suggestions are probably going to be, my guess would be similar in some areas and others. So yeah. we'll just kind of go with the flow and see how it how it is. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sounds great. All right. So our first group of questions is about early risers, and this is just following daylight savings. So we've got a couple questions, and I'm just going to read the ones out. So Mary asks, how do you get a toddler to sleep past 5 a.m.? Dawn seconded this, and Lucy said, yes, sleeping past 5 a.m., 14 months, SOS, LOL. And then Janice had similar struggles, especially following daylight savings. So tell me, what are your tips on getting a kid to sleep in a little Sure. Um, Early morning risers are one of the most common calls and questions I I get about. Um, So I usually I do a um, an early morning checklist and I'll ask, you know, parents these questions and see if maybe one of these sounds familiar to their situation. So, excuse me, the number one question I ask is baby's room dark enough. I mean, can you see your hand in front of your face? dark enough you know any light getting in those windows is going to cause you know them to see it pop up and say oh wow it's you know it's time to wake up so really check check your baby's room for um darkness and i can give tips later on on what uh blinds i suggest for that also environmental noise is do you have a dog is your husband waking up uh at 5 a.m. to get ready for work is the shower right behind your wall. Um, in that case, maybe a small white noise machine. I don't um, recommend like any sort of music, but a white a white noise machine could help with that. Um, and then 
I, I try to have a 6 a.m. rule. You know, try not to get your baby up before 6 a.m. You know, if they're screaming hysterically, then, you know, we'll talk about why they might be doing that. But if, they, if they're up and, you know, blabbing, rolling around, talking to themselves, they're fine. Do not, do not try, try not to intervene till at least 6 a.m. And maybe you can get a baby's, baby's body clock, uh, you know, towards that time instead of 5 a.m. And also, this is a really important one. Uh, what happens when baby wakes up? Is she looking for something? When she wakes up at 5 a.m., what is mom or dad or parents doing? Are they bringing the baby into bed with them? Are they nursing them? Are they giving them a bottle? Are they letting them watch TV because they're too exhausted to do anything else? If, if you're doing something that the baby wants, as soon as that they wake up at 5, then they know that. So as soon as they wake up, they're going to say to themselves, ooh, mommy lets us watch a show now, or I get to nurse now, or, or something like that. So I always try to say, if you have an early morning riser and you do get them up, wait at least 15 minutes before feeding the baby so you don't create a lingering wake-up feed association. And just the last thing I like to go over is, you know, what time is bedtime? Is it too late? Is the baby overtired? If the baby's overtired, they're going to wake up cranky and early. So you might want to move um, bedtime up a little bit. And for the toddlers, um, I love an okay to wake clock. And also I can give um, recommendations on what one I would suggest. And basically you set it at a certain time and a green light comes on when it's time to get up and you can set it to 6, 6.30, whatever you choose. And a reward chart for toddlers that understand about rewards. Um, You know, a simple sticker, simple rewards if, you know, you stay in your bed until the clock changes to green are great tips. I love those. And maybe you can send me the, if you have links to some of those, we can link to them in the show notes for people to put to do rather than trying to explain it on here. I think it's easier if people can just go to the show notes and, and click to them. But I, I think it's really, my older daughter just started, we had to wake her up earlier for school. So she's now waking up a little bit earlier sometimes some of it's that we've potty trained her at night so now she's waking up early because she has to go to the bathroom um yeah but yeah right we definitely have fallen into the okay well you're up well you might as well let's throw you in front of the tv while we get a little bit more shut eye so that's i love that tip and that's a good reminder uh for yeah to to at least wait a little bit yeah it's hard i mean we're all moms we're all trying to get through the day i understand but you know, toddlers and babies, they, they are, they are smart. <laughs> they are very smart. And once you do something once, they want it to happen every morning. So I have a question about the okay to wait clock. Um, and maybe I just, I just really haven't looked into them, but I was thinking about getting one, but then doesn't it have a light on it? Like that says it's not okay to get up. Like, wouldn't that be disruptive to sleep or does, okay. is there not actually a light on it? So there's a few different kinds, and mm-hmm. um, so there's one specific kind that just has a red light on it, and the red light means, you know, still time to sleep, you know, stay in bed, um, and then whatever time you choose for the time, it would turn to green, which means, like, green means go, you know, green means get out of bed, it's, it's okay to wake, and then the other type is my son has, it's like a bunny, 
and the light is shining on um, the sleeping bunny. So let's say he wakes at 4 a.m. He lifts his head and he notices that the light is shining on the sleeping bunny. He knows that he should be also sleeping. And then whatever time I have it set to, um, the light shines on the awake bunny. And then he knows it's time to wake up. Okay, so you, that that light isn't disruptive because we actually have yeah my toddler's room like pretty much it's like pitch black in there, pretty much. Yeah. So I was like worried about like in having a light in there and because we actually took out his night lights because he totally sleeps better when there's no light. So I was like, well, I don't want to have light in there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was like very torn on it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good thought because I don't really love night lights, and if I do recommend one, it's an amber light with like a yellow light, and it's behind a piece of furniture or something, but mm -hmm. um, normally for the toddlers that use the okay to wake, um, I use that as a night light, and most toddlers want a night light, um, so it does give just the perfect amount of, of light without being like, you know, way mm -hmm. too bright. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Great. So the next set of questions is about middle of the night waking. I'm going to read a couple different questions that we have. So Stephanie asks, what do you think, um, sorry, what do you do with, or how do you help a toddler who's now a preschooler that wakes up and is up for hours in the middle of the night? Almost seems like she can't connect her sleep cycles. Randy says, my 18-month-old wakes up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep almost every night no matter what we do. My husband and I are losing our minds. We've tried everything. Sometimes it takes him a good three hours to get back to sleep. And then we also have a young one. So Kim asks, I have a four-month-old who falls asleep while on his own. He's drowsy and in a sleep spot, but he sucks at staying asleep. He wakes every 20 minutes for naps and in the first two hours of sleep. He's constantly, we're constantly going in and popping the pacifier back in then tiptoeing out. What did we do wrong? Um, so I don't know if we want to separate this into older kids and younger kids or if there's a difference. But yeah. I will. Yeah. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's just quickly touch the first two happen to be, you know, toddler age. So with this age group, um, waking up in the middle of the night usually means the first question I ask is, how are they falling asleep at bedtime? And 99.99999% of the time, it's what we call a sleep prop. And at this age, you know, uh, you said a toddler, you know, 18 months, two years old, um, it's the parents. The parents is a sleep prop. Um, they have to lay with the child in order for them to fall asleep. And that can take hours because the child is talking to the parent and they're, I want one more book and I want my blanket covered. Oh no, I want socks on. I need a sip of water. You know, all those uh, stall tactics that toddlers do. So like I said, 99% of the time it's a sleep prop, meaning it's the parent. Um, I've had clients that the parent has to hold their hand until they fall asleep. The parent has to rub their back. Their parent has to have their hand on their head. The parent has to, you know, the list goes on and on. And what happens is when that child falls asleep in that sort of way with a prop, usually a parent, when they wake up in the middle of the night, the parent has usually, you know, snuck out once the child is sleeping and they go to sleep in their own bed. And when the child wakes up in the middle of the night, they don't know what happened. The last time I fell asleep, my mommy and daddy was here and now they're not. So they need that sleep prop, whatever it may be, to fall back to sleep. So it's just a vicious cycle. And until you um, 
until you instill that independent sleep habit in your toddler, unfortunately, it is just, it's not going to change. Um, I mean, I have many, it's hard for me to say right now what, what, like what I could suggest because I don't know what their sleep prop is. I don't know, you know, what naps are like. I don't know what time they're going to bed. I don't know all these things, which are super duper important. So, um, well, let's, but it's, it's getting, yep, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the next question is basically about sleep props. So let's go on to that and we'll talk about the, maybe the, the like the older kid that are still sleep propping and maybe you have some tips for that and then we'll switch on to the younger kids. How's that sound? Sure. I'm sorry. What did you want me to go over first? Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to read just a couple, two more questions and then we'll go and we can go from there. So Kristen wants to know how to get a two-year-old to go to sleep without having to rock them to sleep. Um, Sadie asked that she has a night wandering two and a half year old that will only fall back to sleep sitting on her head. (laughs) And Kyla says, which I really want to see that one. Uh, Kyla said she, it takes her uh, two and a half year old takes an hour and a half for her two and a half year old to go to sleep. And she also says that that two and a half year old is only napping 20 to 30 minutes a day. And our oldest was napping two and a half to three hours at that age. So can you talk about some tips to decrease the dependency on, on sleep props? Yeah, so um, since we're kind of talking about toddlers, I will just kind of concentrate on them right now. And like I said before, a reward chart is super duper helpful and talking to them. I mean, if they're, you know, two and a half and above or so, you know, they understand. And a lot of my toddler clients get really into, um, you know, sleep sleep training and the sleep plans I've created for them. And mom and dad will sit down and say, okay. This is what we're going to do now. Mommy and daddy aren't going to lay with you anymore. And if, you know, if you, you know, if you go to bed all by yourself, um, you know, we're going to have a reward chart and we're going to, you know, buy some things that you like. And each morning when you wake up and you, you know, you, I have usually have goals written out for the child. And if you reach your goals, you'll get a reward. And, um, you know, we're going to do this gently. If a child is used to mom or dad or whoever laying with them at night, um, I would never just ask you to, you know, the next night, just leave the room. Um, it's more, it's a gentle approach. You're going to be a toddler. I usually give them a three week plan. So it's over the course of this three weeks that um, we're trying to get mom and dad out of the room um, in, in steps, you know, in a, in a gentle way, you're by the bed for the first three nights and then you're kind of in the middle of the room and then you're by the door and eventually um mom and dad are are out of the room and and the child is falling asleep independently and it it works and the okay to wake clock and the rewards really help help with that do you find that and i don't that the rewards end up um i don't want to say like fading out a little bit i know that I haven't had to use rewards for my child for sleep, but if I've tried them for other things, like the first two weeks, it's great. She's really into it. And then all of a sudden it's like, eh, but is it with sleep there? It's because it's creating a better habit for sleep. Does it kind of wean itself off and they no longer need the reward? It just sort of kind of falls into line. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, when I'm working with a client and rewards pop up, I usually tell them to buy rewards for like, 12 to 15 days. And um, that's usually just the right amount of time where it's not going to become 
an issue and, um, you know, if a couple weeks goes by and they're doing great and then, you know, they hit another slump two months down the road, you can reintroduce it for a week. Uh, this age I find really responds well to rewards, but you're right. You don't want to, they will get bored eventually. So that's why I don't like it to drag, drag on too long because they won't care <laughs> anymore. Great. So let's move on to the the younger children. And so we have, we'll all kind of group these sort of together. So we have a parent, you know, dependent sleeper. So Bridget says she has a three-month-old who does not sleep on his back. He has reflux issues and he will only sleep on mom or dad's chest. And um, she wants gentle ways to get him to start falling asleep on his own. Whereas Kim, she has a four-month-old who falls asleep on his own. Um, although she does say that they do give him a pacifier, so I'm wondering if on, a, on his own includes the pacifier. She said he wakes up every 20 minutes for naps and then the first hour of sleep, and they're constantly going in and popping that pacifier back in, and she wants to know what they did wrong. Yeah. Okay, well, you didn't do anything wrong, so don't don't ever think that. But, um, yeah, so let's touch on the, the four-month-old. Um, like you said, so one thing uh, that you said that, uh, struck out at me is he's drowsy when I put them him to sleep so that I would want to so when, when a baby especially at this age four months old is your you're I'm imagining that they're feeding this baby like right before he's going to sleep whether it's naps or nighttime and the problem with getting drowsy right before going to sleep is that your your baby is getting into the first the first stage of sleep stage one and then you know you're taking the bottle out of his mouth or you're stopped nursing and you want to put him in the crib and they're having trouble connecting sleep cycles because they're confused they had they just had like a 10 minute little drowsy snooze and now i don't know they don't feel I don't feel tired now to go back to sleep. So when you're feeding a baby of this age, you really, really, really want to make sure this baby is awake, tickling their toes. You really want to watch if they're swallowing uh, the milk uh, that you know, they're swallowing means they're awake. And if they're not, stop the feed and wake the baby up, you know, tickle their tummy, talk to them, whatever you need to do to just to keep this baby awake because like I said, if they get drowsy, um, it's just not good. And also this age, I'm sure everyone has heard about the, the four-month sleep regression, and it is definitely a thing. It's not just, uh, you know, some old wives' tale. Um, their sleep does change in a significant way around four months. Um, instead of just having two um, sleep stages, they're now having four so there's a lot going on developmentally. They're more cognitively aware of what's going on. And they have more light sleep uh, when, now that they have those four sleep stages. So there's, uh, there's one or two more wake-ups than they normally had kind of when they hit that four-month mark. So, um, and then Bridget said, oh, was she the reflex? Reflex? Baby yes. Yep. That mom having a hard time. Okay. So the first thing I always say to reflux flux clients is, you know, have you spoken to your doctor? You know, are they on medication? So unfortunately, I don't 
I don't know that with this with this baby. But um, first thing I would say would do be to do an eat, play, sleep pattern. A lot of parents feed their children to sleep. I like to see feeding happen when they wake up, like from a nap. So you would feed them, you would play a little bit with them to let that food, the milk, um, settle a little bit in their tummies, and then you would put them to sleep. Um, and as far as the, the during the bedtime routine, I'd maybe make that last feed at the very beginning of the bedtime routine just to have a little bit more time for that uh, milk to digest also. And just some causes of reflux too are you might be overfeeding the baby. The baby is uncomfortable. He's crying all the time and you think he's hungry. Everyone thinks when a baby cries, they're just, they could be nothing else but hungry. So now you're overfeeding the baby and it's just, it's going to cause the baby pain if you're overfeeding it. You know, mom's diet could have um, something to do with it. A horizontal feed, if the baby isn't, you know, propped up, he could be swallowing too much air. Um, he could be an aggressive eater. He's eating too fast. He could be distracted. Um, a lot of factors with reflux. But the number one thing I would say would be try and eat, play, sleep routine. I've always used the eat, play, sleep, and I think it works really well. My my current baby, I'm a little nervous because she's three, three and a half months. So we're getting close to that four month oh. time frame. So I yeah. am, uh, I'm, she's, a, she's a pretty good sleeper overall. And so I'm just, you know, just trying to like keep, keep on trucking yeah. the way we are with that and to try not to yeah. psych myself up too That's much for, for what might happen at four months. Yeah. And you know, some babies, the four month regression, you know, doesn't hit every single baby. She might you know, go breeze right by it. So that could also happen. So, sounds good. So, and I think that's a good transition to nursing babies. So a lot of the people that gave that asked questions, they didn't talk specifically if they were nursing and formula feeding. I don't know. I'd love to hear your input if you think that that's different for if babies are going to be sleeping through the night more or less if they're formula or breastfed. And then we have two questions I'm going to read out for you. Nikita has a six-month-old that doesn't sleep all night. She has to nurse her to sleep, and she's looking for some tips without having to cry it out. And Taya says, since moving internationally, her one-year-old has decided he must have my boob in his mouth at all times. Yesterday, he woke up six times between 8 and 10 p.m. wanting to be fed back to sleep. Yeah, so I also see this this a lot, especially in babies, you know, ranging from that six to 12 to 12 mark. And um, quickly, let me answer your question about the formula versus like breastfed. Um, I usually go by weight of the baby at, at that age, um, you know, like the sleeping through the night age, which is usually around three-ish months. I mean, some babies are super crazy and want to do it before and some later that's anywhere is fine, but I, I usually look at weight and, um, when it's a breastfed baby, it's, I, I, it's about 15 pounds. If the baby's 15 pounds and under, then we need to talk about some things. If the baby is 15 pounds and or over, um, I don't think they need a feed anymore. Um, but with that age range of six to 12 months of these moms that are like, Oh my God, all I want to do is nurse all night and I'm going insane. At that age, they're, they're really not waking for food. 
the chances are they aren't waking for food unless, you know, there's so many questions that go into it. You know, are they eating properly during the day? Are you giving them, are they on solids? Are they eating healthy solids, fruits and veggies and, you know, full fats and stuff like that? Are they getting too many filler foods like puffs and Cheerios and sweet yogurts and stuff like that? You know, we want to make sure that baby is staying awake through all feeds during the day to make sure that they're getting a full tummy to not need to feed at night. Um, but I mean, the most common reason for waking during the night for those ages is it's part of their strategy for falling asleep. Uh, they're used to being nursed all the time. So if the feeding is part of the strategy, that it doesn't matter if there's actual food coming their way, it's the sucking motion. It's mom next to them. It's the familiarity of the situation that helps them get back to sleep. And they can get very, very dependent on it. So, you know, like I said, every baby is, is different. Um, some may be still getting hungry. And if your baby in the middle of the night is taking a full feed without falling asleep, then your baby might still be hungry. Um, the, the few questions I do ask when in that six to 12 month age for those parents that are feeding all night long, um, it's, here are a few indicators that can help let you know if those nighttime wake-ups are the result of hunger or a lack of independent sleep skills. So does baby only take a small amount when they are fed in the night? Uh, do they fall asleep within five minutes of starting their feed? Because if they do, you know that they just wanted mom. Um, does baby eventually go back to sleep if they don't get fed? You know, have you, have you waited 10 minutes? I always like to say in the middle of the night, you know, wait, wait a couple minutes, maybe baby will figure it out. Even, you know, if you can wait 10 minutes, wait 10 minutes, because more times than not, they'll go back to sleep. Um, so if you answered yes to some of those questions, it's probably falling into the camp of, you know, needing to be fed to go back to sleep. Definitely. So that's more of that kind of sleep prop that we talked about before versus the overnight. Exactly. So yeah. our yeah. our last questions, and I'm so impressed at how efficiently you're answering these because we're getting through them nice and quick. So the last one oh, again yeah. is sort of is a continuation. It's about night weaning. So you mentioned a little bit yeah. about weight, but I'd love you to go a little bit more into it. So Kim reports sure. that her four-month-old um, asks about night weaning. He's still waking up two times a night to eat and is genuinely hungry, and then he goes right back down. So what age? You said it's more weight-based. So can you give us a little bit more about that? Sure. So this is pretty popular, too. A lot of moms reaching out saying, you know, my three- to four-month-old is still, you know, waking up twice in the middle of the night. And again, like I said before, um, the number one thing I always say is wait 10 minutes, wait 10 minutes. That is like my phrase I use all the time, even at the three to four month age, you know, wait 10 minutes. You never know. And uh, another little tip is you always want to hold your baby to their personal best. You know, if you have a four month old and they slept through the night, three nights in a row from whatever, nine to six in the morning, we know they can do that. So, you know, hold them to that. Now, the next night, they're up five times a night. We know that it's not because they're starving. So that's really important to remember. Um, like I said, breastfed babies and night weaning, it's, it's, a, it's a big conversation because if you pull it too quickly, 
Um, you can mess with mom's milk supply if they're breast. I'm talking about breastfeeding right now. So, you know, we don't want to mess with mom's milk supply. Um, so we need to discuss that. And again, the weight situation. Um, if, if they're under 15 pounds, there's some things to consider, you know, again, mom's milk supply is mom working. Can she pump while she's at work? Because if, you know, if she can't, then that's going to drop her milk supply down. Um, you know, with baby full term and continuing to grow properly. And then if the baby is over 15 pounds, um, I think it would be safe to say, yes, let's try to cut these night feeds. And usually I do a three or six night wean down, which means if mom is ready to tackle this and, you know, we're, they're in the um, proper weight range, then um, there's two kind of two ways I do it. It's either a six night wean down first three nights, the two feeds, I want you to feed them only two. Your baby, we don't want to just, if your baby's used to eating five times a night, I'm not going to tell you just, okay, well tonight we're only going to feed them once because the mom's milk supply is going to go bonkers and the baby's going to be like, what the heck? I'm used to eating five times. Now you're only feeding me once. So we want, I want to do it gradually. So the six night wean down would be the first three nights. I want you to give two feeds only between 10 PM and 5 AM. Um, so just make sure that the, it's between those hours and make sure they're three hours apart, the feeds. Um, so that would be the first three nights and the next three nights, I want you to only feed baby once between 12 and 5 AM and then seven night seven and beyond. We're not, we're not going to feed baby anymore. And then we can do that. Um, that's, that's for a lot of night feeds still. And if I'm only we want to get rid of one night feed or two night feeds for a baby, I would do a three night wean down, which would be just one feed for three nights between 12 and five only and night four, um, no feeds. We're going to cut that out cold Turkey and uh, bottle fed babies are within the same guidelines as breastfed. They are a little bit easier to night wean because um, you know, you can control the amount of milk in a bottle and by bottle fed, I don't mean just formula. It could be, you know, breast milk pumped. But um, the goal there is around try to get around 24 ounces of, of milk in the daytime feed so that they're night, so that you can pull those nighttime feeds. And the bottle fed babies, um, I would say you could, it's usually time to pull the nighttime feeds if baby is above 14 pounds and growing well. Um, and you can still, we can still do a wean down if they're, if they do feed two, two times in the night. Um, and again, with bottle fed, you just want to talk to mom about milk supply. Are you working? Do you stay at home? Can you pump? You know, you're going to have to pump every three hours and, um, hopefully, hopefully that will help with the night weaning. That's, That's great. great. Thank I know you. Yeah. I saw that a lot of information i know no, no that's was. really good i wanted to oh sorry um, i was gonna share my experience just like super quick because remy definitely fell into the like he was genuinely hungry category and we found that but it's like i couldn't get him to eat more during the day so it was almost like you know what just like kind of rip off the band-aid and we found it's like once he night weaned it's like all of a sudden he just ate more during the day so it almost it's just like 
you know, sucked for a few days, but then once, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. It was like, we yeah. couldn't get him to eat more until we night weaned. And then it allowed us we'll to make sense. Yeah, so, with mom, yeah. you know, I'll be working with a parent and then four days later, she's like, oh my gosh, we cut the nighttime feeds and now he's taking full feeds. And I'm like, yay. That was yeah. Light. Oh yeah. So, yep. I had a question. So you mentioned waiting sure. 10 minutes, which I love. And, and that's, I did that with my first, it was kind of like, you know, we put her down and he, it, with the first, it was always like, Oh, the minute she peeped, it was like back in there, let's go. But you know, for her, it's, yeah. I said, I started at five minutes and I set the timer. I was like, I'm just going to give her five minutes and just see. And usually yep. at about four minutes, she just settled herself down and she was fine. But, um, now that I have two, I am very, cause I don't use a sound machine and I, I don't, I don't, my older ones never really needed one. So I don't really want to start it, but I'm hesitant yeah. to let, you know, the baby cry for even more than 30 seconds for fear that she's going to wake the big kid up. So for that waiting 10 minutes, yeah. can that be going in and like holding the baby or do you have recommendations? on How old, how old is baby? Oh, she's three and a half months. Three and a half months. Okay. Um, yeah, you can go in and I, I like to pick a key phrase usually and just go in and offer that key phrase, whether it's, you know, it's night, night time, or it's time to go to sleep or whatever the key phrase you like to be. Um, you can pick an increment and then just, uh, stick to that, um, going in, you know, five minutes and then going in, rubbing the, the belly or the head, saying the key phrase and then leaving, and um, some babies really respond well to that. Um, some babies don't like it when mom comes in really quick, touches me and then leaves because where's mom? You know, I'm getting upset now because I saw mom and now she, she left. So just keep that in mind. If you find that it's upsetting your baby more, then um, maybe leave those increments a little bit longer. And uh I don't know if you find that it's becoming a problem. Maybe a sound machine wouldn't be a bad idea for your older, older child. I mean, I don't recommend sound machines like just because, but if you are seeing that your baby is crying a little bit in the morning and it is waking her up, then um, it could, it could help. We just use a fan bath if that helps at all. Or we have like an air purifier thing. Yeah. yeah I'll be honest. Yep, I don't think it actually wakes my older one up, but I just have this fear that it's going to. So well, I, has, I think it's, it hasn't yeah. yet. I, I mean, they're they're heavy sleepers, so it's probably it's it's more you worrying about it. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's funny because. I, she slept through the night a couple times when she was, you know, a month and like, I don't know, maybe three weeks old. She slept at like a 12 hour stretch and I had no idea what to do. And now we're wow. back to these eight to yeah. nine hour stretches, which I still think are fantastic. Um, cause she's yeah. not yet 15 pounds, but I do, it's funny, you know, she'll have fussy periods and it'll be like, Oh, let me just, let me just hold you in your arm, in my arms to help you fall asleep. And I'm like, but I can't start it yeah. now. Um, I know. Is there a problem? Like, let's say, you know, kid gets vaccines or is not feeling well. Are you, and you just want to, and they're just really upset. And are you going to set yourself back really oh far God. if you just hold them and, no. you know, that kind of thing? So, um, I like to go by the three day rule for anything at any age. Um, it takes three days to make a habit. So, you know, if, no. 
if your baby is upset, gets shots, is sick, you know, you're their mother. I'm never going to tell you not to provide comfort or hold them or do whatever that you want to do. But, um, you know, if three days straight, all you're doing is holding your baby and she's not used to that, then you better believe that on that fourth day, she's going to want you to hold her just as much. So just be careful, you know, um, try to, you know, if she's not sleeping well, you know, try to have her sleep independently for one nap. And then all the other naps do, I call them emergency naps, you know, go for a ride in the car, carry her in the ergo or carrier, whatever you need to do. But um, at that age, no, we comfort her. It's totally fine. (laughs) Thank you so much. Andrea, do you have anything else to add? Uh, No, I don't. This is awesome. I guess it's all great stuff. (laughs) Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more from Cassandra, you can find her on Facebook at Cassandra Sleep Consulting or her website, which is CassandraSleepConsulting.com, and I will link to that in the show notes. For Andrea and I, you can follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feeds of Real Eats, and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please, please, please write us a review. We are hoping to offer a some sort of giveaway in the near future for those that write us a review. And all reviews will count. So please head over to iTunes and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.